Hello and welcome to the Bailey's Horse Feeds podcast and this episode in our winter feeding series. My name's Jane Buchan and I'm the marketing manager at Bailey's. Today we're going to be talking about feeding the veteran and particularly the one who is dentally challenged. Um, I'm joined by Emma Short, our senior nutritionist. And um, let's start, Emma, just because your horse is getting on a bit, perhaps is now a teenager, does that necessarily mean you need to change what you feed or how you approach their diet? No, not at all. It's just like with humans, you know, we all age at different rates and so do our horses. So really we need to be looking at them as an individual and feeding them for each individual's requirements, whether they need weight gain, whether they need to have a lower calorie-based diet because they hold weight very well. Um, and actually, things like your senior fees, I suppose, are mostly targeted for those that maybe need a little bit more than you know your, your high-fiber, sort of lower-energy, sort of tight rations. And if you've got a good doer, for example, that's done very well, so on a balancer all of its life, um, and then all of a sudden you move it on to a senior or a veteran fee, then actually you're significantly increasing calorie you know levels that that actually he, he may not need so i think it's really important to sort of you know to gauge what each individual needs because actually a senior feed may not be the best option someone in some instances it, it is but you know i think you really need to look at your individual horse or pony and, and take it from there really and how would you sort of start to spot that perhaps you know they might need you might need to think about what you're what you're feeding yeah so I suppose you know if that you're starting to find that you're feeding maybe more of your existing diet in order to sort of maintain and support weight and condition if you feel that maybe they're lacking in muscle tone for example which is quite often key with our older horses because they can't utilize nutrients maybe as efficiently as maybe our, our younger horses um, and things like workload etc and how much work and exercise they're doing quite often can you know be lower as well so that, that can obviously have have an impact but um, certainly weight loss um, loss of muscle um, you might even find certainly from a, a dental point of view that maybe you're finding that maybe not consuming as much sort of haze and haylages or maybe you're finding that um, you're noticing that they're they're quidding which is essentially where sort of you you sort of get sort of uh, sort of balls if you like of sort of forest that's maybe sort of been dropped on on the ground where they can't actually chew it and, and swallow it so all of those sort of types of things sort of maybe indicate that there's maybe an issue possibly that you need to adjust and maybe tweak your ration and um typically when you sort of mention muscle tone um where what are the areas where you might sort of notice that dropping off first yeah i suppose i mean quite often you'll find maybe the quarters may become a little bit more angular particularly sort of over the sort of the, the wither area can sometimes become sort of sunken um so i suppose they're sort of maybe the two main sort of places that you would see sort of maybe into the neck to the shoulder um but yeah and if 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 your horse is normally a good doer and you still kind of feel that actually they don't you know from like a condition point of view they don't necessarily need more calories but you're concerned about perhaps they perhaps not carrying that bit of top line that that you were used to and say for example you're you're normally feeding a balancer would would you change that how could you change that potentially yeah i mean there's no reason why you couldn't look at sort of moving towards maybe more of something like a performance balancer for example um those types of products typically have higher 
um, levels of quality protein, so better levels of our essential amino acids, things like lysine, which is really key for, for muscle development. Um, so actually elevating the quality protein in the diet can actually be very useful, um, particularly if the horse is not maybe you, you know, absorbing or utilising it as efficiently as we, as we would like. Um, so that can certainly be an option. Or you can look at adding things like alfalfa, for example, alongside um, your balancer, assuming that teeth, etc., are, you know, are still in good nick and they can chew effectively. Then your alfalfa is actually a really good source of quality protein. Actually, we would use that quite often, um, particularly if we want to sort of stay with more of sort of the, you know, the the balancers that are designed for sort of more lighter levels of work. Then your alfas are a great way of, of, of increasing quality protein without necessarily changing the diet. That's quite quite interesting, actually, because it's it's you may not think about that because if your horse has always thrived very well on low cal and the level of work indicates that low cal balancer is the one for them, but it's just interesting that actually you and you you might not actually consider going to a performance balancer, but it it is an it is an, an incident where it it's possibly quite a good idea just to make that step up. Absolutely, and what you've got to remember with the difference with your performance balance is it's purely just the nutrient levels that, that we're changing to support those that maybe either need more nutrients or in harder levels of work, mm. and again, needing more nutrients. So what you'll find is with your performance balances is actually your calorie or energy contents, and the majority of the time your starch levels are very much the same, um, and in some instances lower um, than you know your lower calorie sort of type balances. Um, but you're just picking up the valuable nutrients. So your, your protein levels, your quality protein is better. Some of your vitamin and mineral levels will also be higher. Um, so that's all we're doing is we're just adjusting the amount of nutrients they're not, that they're getting rather than actually changing the calorie or the energy content. Yeah, brilliant. So looking at the horses who are perhaps starting to be dentally challenged, um, and that can be a, a, a range of sort of issues, can't it, from, from actually losing teeth to wobbly teeth or, or whatever, um, and, you, and you've um, described how you might sort of start to spot that. But um, if they are starting to struggle to eat um, hay or haylage, for example, what sort of thing can we do to make sure that we keep their forage or their fibre intake up to a healthy level yeah of course i mean it's really important as we know that fiber is is key in the ration and actually if they're not eating as much hay or haylage or you're finding that they are quidding or you're finding even that you're noticing sort of maybe long fibers maybe in their droppings which would indicate that maybe they're not digesting the fiber as efficiently then actually we need to look at maybe some sort of fiber replacement um, that could be depending on the situation it could be a complete um, forage replacement whereby you don't feed any hay or haylage and you simply just have a replacement product that you use um, to supply all their fiber needs um, or it could be that maybe you use a partial um, replacement product that you can use alongside maybe reduced amounts of hay or haylage so um, what, are, what are going to be the best ones if, if say you really you know that it's come to the end of the road as far as hay is concerned would you choose just one or would like we've been discussing in other episodes uh, choosing a variety of different forage sources is, is what's the best way or which ones are the best if you literally can't get your horse to eat hay? Yeah. I think I think it's very much down to the individual and actually you might find that maybe one product is absolutely fine giving you what you need and your horse is happy to eat it equally 
again other individuals prefer sort of more of a selection or buffet sort of selection which sort of you know <laughs> mixes it up a little bit so I, don't, I do think it depends on on the individual horse but you can think, use things sort of like depends i suppose on, again on how dentally challenged they are so if they can't manage long fibers such as your haze and halages but actually they can still manage a chaff um then things like our light chaff is actually quite a good option and it's unmolassed um it's very similar um, when you look at the analysis to hay and actually you can mimic exactly what you would feed if you're feeding say seven kilos of hay then actually you could potentially feed seven kilos of the light chaff per day in order to, to oh, meet fiber requirements so you can do like for like um, so it, it does depend, I, say, I suppose, on the situation. If you're still finding um, that maybe a chaff is, is still too much, and particularly if you've got things like diastomas, for example, so the gaps in between teeth, um, things like alfalfa, for example, that tends to be a little bit more stalky, can be more of a challenge for those types of, of older horses. Um, because what, so it sort of gets stuck it, in the in their does. teeth, essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that can be a little bit of an issue. And, and you can use alfalfa to a degree as a, as a partial forage replacement, but not as a complete forage replacement because right. it, it can upset the balance of your protein and your calcium levels right. because it naturally contains good levels of those. So it's very different to sort of things like a grass hay or haylage. Um, so, yeah, so if you're finding that, you know, a chaff or an alpha is really not... Um, you know, suitable for your horse. If your horse simply just can't manage them, um, whether there are diastomas there or not, then you can look at sort of your pelleted fibre sources. So you can um, obviously get pelleted alfalfa, you can get grass pellets, even sort of things like oat feed pellets, all of those you can soften down with a little bit of water um, if necessary, if they can't manage the pellet itself, um, which can contribute to good levels of fibre. Um, and you've also obviously got lots of options with your soaked sort of mash type products, um, which are usually beet based. So we tend to use a lot um, things like fibre beet, for example, which is manufactured with British horse feeds, um, which combines a, both your speedy beets, so your sugar beets, and molasses sugar beet with an alfalfa and, and some oat fibre. And that actually gives you a much better fibre content than just sugar beet on its own. Um, and you can very comfortably use that as sort of a, a forage replacement and you can soak it down. So you can look at sort of different sources, um, you know, a combination quite often works well, particularly if you've got a horse that isn't necessarily that keen on a mash and that can sometimes happen if you've got a horse that you need to maybe feed a soft feed but actually it's not keen on them and if you can sort of maybe mix in a few other different sources to sort of give it a little bit of interest that maybe gives you a little bit more flexibility to to what you can feed and i'm guessing um if they're if they're struggling to eat fiber and forage then potentially sort of weight gain it, it it, or as in excess weight gain is not an issue so you kind of just want to although it's probably worth having in your mind how much fiber they should be consuming so your two percent or more of body mm -hmm. weight it's not something you're limiting you're kind of just wanting them to eat as much as possible really absolutely aren't you? i think the main thing to be aware of in this situation is that you're not feeding less than what they need so mm. if they're consuming less than one and a half percent of their body weight so for example going back to that 500 kilo horse he would need seven and a half kilos um approximately of, of forage per day so if he's not actually consuming that quantity with what you're putting in then actually he may not be getting adequate levels of fiber and that could potentially be a problem yeah but yeah going over that um 
unless as you say calories are an issue which is unlikely in this situation um then yeah that's absolutely fine yeah so um quite typically we're seeing a lot now aren't we partly because vets have been testing for it a lot more of the what we used to call the 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 Cushing's um, situation, so the pituitary pars intermedia dysfunction, and I'm saying it only once, we're now <laughs> going to call it PPID, um, but there are many more horses and ponies being diagnosed with this, which um, then really becomes, obviously, it then becomes a management and, and obviously then a diet management issue, doesn't it? So um, once we're able to... Um, get the, the the forage intake and the fiber intake to at a healthy level what are the issues that we that we have to consider if we've got a horse that that's been diagnosed with this okay well, the main thing that we need to be aware of from our point of view um is that quite often these types of horses will have a much higher risk to going down with something like laminitis so actually we tend to feed them as if they are laminitic even if they have never had it before um just purely so that we can lower the risk um, so even with respect to forage that can pose that can pose sort of certain issues um, so the main thing that we need to look at is to try and avoid um, products that have high levels of starch or cereal if you're looking at your bucket feed um, or high levels of sort of soluble sugar if you like and that can actually limit some of your fiber sources as well so for example things like dried grasses um, which you know you might think is a natural way of sort of feeding our horses which it certainly is um, they naturally contain higher levels of sugar so actually for these types of horses we may need to be quite careful with how much of something like a dried grass nut or or sort of dried grass sort of chaff um, that we're feeding because that can increase the quantities so yes yeah, so we do need to be very careful with sort of you know what we're looking at and not just in the bucket but also from from a fiber point of view as well so say you've got a, a an older horse or pony that that perhaps ha, um has been diagnosed ppid but um is actually a, now struggling to, to to maintain weight at this time of year mm-hmm. what what feed would be what would you turn to you know to to help get that weight either back on or to maintain it through the colder months yeah i mean there's lots of ways that you can go um you could it could be as simple as maybe sort of looking at basing your diet on a balancer um to get the nutrients in your vitamins your minerals your protein but we know that your balance is typically low calorie so they're not necessarily going to put the weight on but they will balance the ration um so we would then need to look at adding some good digestible um sort of sources of fiber potentially to that so looking at things like you know your your unmolasted sugar beets um sort of things like the fiber beets maybe push more calories in that way along with maybe oil-based products such as our outshine um as a means of, of sort of pushing sort of a really good sort of concentrated source of calories in equally um we can look at things like our keep calm which is our soaked mash product um again which has got a very low starch value so those types of products are ideal because obviously they're soft they're manageable and the horse doesn't need to chew if there's issues obviously from dental point of view and also your starch and sugar levels are also low so there are lots of options i suppose from a from my point of view it depends on from the the dental sort of issues right so you you could i mean you could think about something like even like these and excel cubes probably rather than 
than the blend yeah um because they do soften down they do soften down absolutely and you can use warm water if you wish which actually helps to soften them a little bit quicker than cold which is ideal um but absolutely um those would probably be more and particularly if you have issues with things like diastomas sometimes your alfalfa that may be in some of the blends may not be the most suitable option but your cubes certainly you can soak down and and, and form into a mash very easily Mm. and um one of the uh, one of the other um, issues you get with these horses, isn't it? Especially if they're on, am I right? If they're on the medication, can that make them fussier, or is it is it the other way, or is it not necessarily the medication that perhaps makes them quite as fussy about their feet? Yeah, unfortunately, it does. It does tend to go. <laughs> so it's a bit of a double-edged sword, really. In as much as you you know, it helps to manage the the levels and manage the condition so that they're healthier in themselves but actually it can affect their appetite it can and and that can sometimes be challenging particularly so there are things that we can put in place i mean you can look at certain products that may have sort of herbs spices that kind of thing sort of things like mint um or we have some essential oils and things like the keep calm for example that really help sort of increase palatability um that can really you know help to stimulate their appetite you can add things obviously to to your diet so you've got to be limited with things like succulents maybe grating them in can be quite a good option because they can't separate it so they're not eating out the, the nice sort of chunks of sort of apple or carrot um just be careful with you know things like your succulents in that you know it's all in moderation so yes you will have um you know higher levels of things like sugar within sort of things like apples and carrots but actually there's a large quantity of moisture in there as well so actually if you're feeding smaller quantities of it it's absolutely fine it's only when you're feeding bucket loads of them that that becomes mm. an issue with from a sugar perspective mm. um so absolutely there are lots of little tricks that you can use maybe a little bit of um small amounts of things like apple juice for you know just to help sort of tempt some of the fussy feeders but again be mindful of the quantity that you're feeding again from a natural sugar perspective um so there are lots of little things that we can do to sort of try and encourage them in some instances when you've got one that's particularly fussy sometimes we look at maybe what we call a buffet style so you may have several different products um within different buckets that you leave and actually you can then see what your horse is happy to eat so that might be sort of a bucket of beads might be a bucket of alpha you know keep calm some using excel cubes for example just to see what they're happy to eat and when and, and then you can sort of so i guess it. if you if you do it, it it's probably a bit of a pain because it means you've got probably got bins full of feed in your feed room but actually if you do it that way so if they if they're always presented with some easy excel cubes a bit of keep calm um maybe some outshine somewhere that that they at least their system is is used to getting some of it exactly and you're not sort of completely chopping and changing and upsetting the whole bacterial balance from day to day absolutely yeah and that can also cause an issue from a from a you know palatability point of view as well because if the bacterial population you know microbiome in the gut is not healthy then that can actually have an impact on you know appetite as well so actually keeping everything sort of you know consistent is is really key in keeping that bacterial population you know as healthy as you possibly can be yeah so in a way even though like I say it might be a pain it's probably because I know again sort of from experience that that you know you a horse that is Cushing's PPID 
you, you think you've struck gold, they're eating their E's and Excel cubes, off you go, that's brilliant. And then, you know, either one bag in or even just two days in, they've changed their mind. So it, it, it's almost, is it, it's worth sticking with it in a way, isn't it? Perhaps just bringing other things in so that you've kind of always got all your options because it may be that next week they've changed their mind and they're they're kind of back absolutely and that quite often happens so yeah you might just need to sort of just maybe reduce the quantities that you're feeding also just check that you're not overfeeding something as well because you know again just check that you're feeding the right quantities because if you are just pushing it in because you're conscious that you're trying to put weight on actually you might be overdoing it as well and it might be that you just need to just cut it back and as you say maybe introduce maybe another product alongside it to see whether that just stimulates their appetite a little bit more and then you can adjust your quantities according to what they're happy to eat you know on that particular day or week yeah. <laughs> depending on what their <laughs> their preference and talking about the um you know their their gut bacteria i guess they are prime candidates in a way aren't they for perhaps prebiotics probiotics these older horses absolutely yeah i mean certainly if there are issues with obviously not eating adequate levels of fiber and potentially the the bacterial population in the gut is going to be compromised um then actually adding a digestive enhancer to your bucket feed is actually you know going to be advantageous in in that instance um you've got different options available you have your probiotics your prebiotics probiotics are there to flood the bacteria um, within the hindgut with new healthy um, microbes if you like um, which particularly if there's been some kind of compromise is probably a good starting point um, and then your prebiotics are slightly different in the fact that they are feeding your you know your good bacteria that's already existing there and helping them to become stronger more prolific and actually just generally healthier so if the bacterial population is far more um, healthy and much stronger then actually the horse has got a much better fighting chance of utilizing the forage portion of the diet you know whereby it's then breaking it down to utilize as energy or calories um, and you know they're more likely to sort of maintain and, and, and hold weight if if you're struggling with that and what about um, say you know that you have you have had a, a perhaps a laminitis episode um, I know we're kind of taking the whole approach of assuming that they they would do but if you have had one you know we 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 know we're trying to keep starch and sugar intakes low but is there is there a benchmark is there a level that we need to be sort of looking at on our feeds or or is that something you know not to get too hung up about or it depends on the situation and I think what you're looking at. I think the current guidelines are that certainly if you have um, more of a metabolic issue, um, then we are looking at keeping the starch levels down around at about one gram per kilogram of body weight in one single meal. Right. Um, which when you're feeding sort of low starch based products, generally you are, you know, going down that route. So basically things like your keep calm, your ease and excel products we've kind of done the sums there so that when you feed what it says on the bag that's 
absolutely going to be right yeah yeah i mean the biggish the big um sort of concern there is also sort of meal size so particularly when we're looking at ppid as well we're trying to sort of keep blood glucose as, as even and as, as level as possible right um and equally when we're looking at laminitis and, and other sort of metabolic issues um even when those products have still got sort of low levels of starch which is great but also we want to keep meal sizes as small as possible so if you can feed sort of lots of small meals throughout the day that's even better um because again we're keeping the amount of starch in each in each meal much lower which means that the horse has got a much higher chance of digesting and um sort of absorbing that starch in the foregut which is where we want it to be absorbed and digested and not into the hindgut where potentially it's going to create an issue um, and it also just helps to stabilize blood sugar levels as well particularly with the ppid looking at um, making sure their gut is healthy and that comes from the point of view of the the bacteria there and what we can do for them as well as obviously the forage and fiber point of view and then looking at at what you need to feed uh, alongside that so um i think we've covered really quite a lot for these older horses um do also listen back at our other episodes in the winter feeding series where we look at feeding good doers um as well as poorer doers because as we said these older horses they're all individuals they may not be at a stage where they need anything um, different because they're older you may just need to feed them as the individuals that they are so um, our general feeding advice could well still be very appropriate but thank you very much Emma and um, we'll look forward to welcoming you to our next episode 